This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. Let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our new sermon series. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce the very heart, separate the intentions and desires of the heart. God, I pray that it will not return void. God, I pray for the blessing of the teaching and reading of your word today. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to start a new series called Uncertain Times, The Church in Difficult uh, Times. And so Uncertain is the name of the series. And we're going to do a five weeks uh, series on really covering five different um, individuals, if you will. We know the church um, is not a building, it's the people, right? And so we're going to focus on five individuals within uh, the scriptures and talk about there are times of uncertainty in their life. We're going to talk about Job. Uh, we're going to talk about Daniel. Talk about Abraham. Uh, we're going to focus on Jesus' disciples. That's kind of a group thing, I guess. And then we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul. And so today, again, we're starting out with Job and focus. Really going to give this big overview of Job. And we know anybody who who's read Job or familiar with Job, we know a lot of it is surrounded about suffering, right? And so. We're going to be dealing with that today. Now, Job is one of five um, uh, wisdom books, and so it's the uh, the book or the the Psalms or Psalm Song of Solomon. Uh, we have Proverbs, we have Ecclesiastes, and we have Job, and those are the five books of the wisdom books. Now, we we see in we see in Proverbs where it really throughout it, there's three words that are used over and over. This idea of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, and that. God is wise and that he's just. And then we see kind of Ecclesiastes, this mixed bag of things where people don't always get what they deserve and the world is not always fair, it's kind of unpredictable and it's kind of hard to comprehend at times. And so we see kind of a mixed thing in some of these wisdom books. And so uh, today, if you're writing or keeping notes, I'd love for you to write this down. I'm going to share with you the big idea. The big idea today um, really looking at the life of Job is that even when we don't know why we're suffering, uh, we should trust God no matter what. Even when we don't know why we're suffering, we should trust God no matter what. Now, um, the book of uh, Job is, is, I want to highlight a few things. One, it's set in the land of us, and uh, all the characters are non-Israelite characters. There's no real clear historical time uh, period for this. Um, the author seems to want us to focus really on the questions that Job raises. And so kind of let's go ahead and start in the first chapter. We'll kind of highlight as we go along. As you see in, in the first five uh, verses of Job 1, you really see several things highlighted. One is that Job is blameless. He, he's a righteous man. He honors God. In fact, it says he's one of the, the greatest men in the East. Okay, He has seven sons. He has three daughters. He has 7,000 sheep, he has 3,000 camels, he has uh, 500 ox, 500 female donkeys. Um, and, and we see that really uh, Job in every way is, is wealthy and prosperous and blessed. So people in those days would have been known by their land, uh, their possessions, primarily livestock, and then their family themselves. And so he was blessed in all of these areas. Now, what's interesting is early on, even uh, in this chapter, we see this encounter. We see kind of this uh, mysterious story where we see this. Now, it says, In the days 
when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, Satan, or Satan, also came among them. And so we, we see this um, being, just as, as back in Genesis chapter 3, uh, this being called Satan, and he comes before God. Now, what's interesting is he asked him where he'd been. He said he's to and fro and up and down the earth. And, he, and then immediately God says, Has, have you considered my servant Job? And, and, and he says, Job is blameless. Um, he says, he's an upright man who fears me and turns away from evil. Now, it's interesting that uh, Satan's response is this. This is what he says. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. Now what's interesting in this is this. Um, I want you to write this down. Satan is constantly questioning God's character, and he tempts us to do the same. In fact, uh, the name Satan is, is really means the one who is opposed. It, it's, it's one who constantly is accusing. He's constantly questioning God and how he is running the world. Uh, Satan means accuser or prosecutor. In fact, we see back in Genesis 3, that's the first thing he says, right? To Eve, he's like, did God really say this? He gets us to constantly try to question God's character. He's questioning God's character to his face here. Um, it's, it's, it's a crazy story. Um, now, what's interesting in, in this is that, again, God offers his servant Job. He says, have you considered him? Because he's, he's upright. He's, he's blameless. He's righteous uh, dude. He, he loves me, and he, and he hates evil. And now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I know many of us kind of get our theology uh, mixed up, and, and we think that um, you know every time we, we're suffering or every time we have a hardship, that must be some punishment for evil. But that's not what the Scriptures te teach us. In fact, you're going to see this in this story. I want you to understand, if suffering is intended as a punishment for evil every time, then Job is not a likely candidate. Okay? He is not one that should receive it because he is walking blameless before God. See, God is manifestly proud of Job. Job fears God. He, he, uh, God has endeared uh, himself to Job in a very deep way. Now, C.S. Lewis was once asked this question, why do, righteous, why do the righteous suffer? And his answer was, why not? In fact, he said, they're the, really the only ones that can take it. We know Lewis wrote an incredible uh, book in the 40s called uh, The Problem of Pain. And in fact, he, 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 made a, he wrote a very um, more personal reflection later on the same topic of suffering in 1961 called A, a Grief Observed by the, it was really through the passing of his wife. And so we see um, this. In fact, it goes on and it, and it highlights, I want to highlight what happened after this. So basically God gives him permission that he can basically touch everything he has except for um, Job himself. And so this is what happens. It goes on to say that 
all the ox and were plowing, the donkeys were feeding. And it says, then uh, these people, Sabins, uh, came about and uh, they, they, uh, they struck down, they took the, they took the donkeys and the ox and they struck down the servants. Um, then fire fell from heaven. It says the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And then the Chaldeans uh, raided on the camels and took them and struck down the servants. And then we see where eventually his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine. In fact, it said at the beginning of the chapter that they would do this on a regular basis. And that fact, uh, when when they would do this, that Job would literally uh, do a sacrifice for them in case they somehow sinned or or somehow uh, sinned against God. Uh, he would do it. He he loved his kids. He he wanted them to follow God. This is a, a man who really took his job as a father seriously, and he he raised them in the fear and love of God. And it says that while they were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a great wind came from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and they were all dead. Um, Now, we see in verses 13 through 20 where God grants Satan limited power to cause pain. That's a reality. Everything has to pass through the hand of God. Even things like this that are tragic um, pass through the hand of God. We see oxen and donkey taken, um, servants struck down. We see sheep and servants, camels, and then ultimately his own sons and daughters. Uh, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the grief that he went through. I, I can't imagine. In fact, we, we know there's names uh, when a husband um, loses his wife as a widower. Um, when a when a wife loses her husband as a widow, um, we we know that um, when a child loses his parents or her parents, um, they're orphans. But you know, there's no there's no name for when a when a father or mother loses a child. Why? Because it's almost like it's unnatural, right? It's it's rare. But here. He loses 10 of his kids in a moment, just like that. Imagine his heart must have been just so grief-stricken. I can't imagine. I, two precious girls, I can't imagine anything, any harm coming to them. But imagine, you know, someone who lost, who has lost a child. We, we all know people have done that and went through it, and it's so tough. Um, I've lost a niece and a nephew, and uh, my sister has lost a son and a daughter. And and that was so tough and still affects her today and affects our family today. Can't imagine what Job went through in this. And and you notice Job's response to this. It says in verses 20 and 21, it says this, And Job rose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job's response is one of grief, but of humility and ultimately of worship. Think about that for a moment. Job just experienced everything that a person is known by um, to be blessed by God. In just one moment, he was wiped out. Um, Think about this. He had things stolen from him. 
He had friends, servants murdered. He had acts of God wipe out his property, his wealth, and even the death of his kids. Think about that for a moment. All these things that maybe we've experienced over a lifetime, he experienced in a moment. Think about all the natural disasters and tragedies happen in the history of your life, maybe here locally or across our country or across the world. In this moment, he experienced all these things. You know, I, I think if you look closely in the book of Job, you'll see that Job experiences these stages of grief. We know uh, there's kind of five major stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, uh, depression, and acceptance. Um, and we, we see that many of these, we see that Job experienced, if you look closely through the book of Job. But I want to see say something else. It says this in verse 22. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. I want you to write this down. Job honored God in the face of tremendous suffering. He always honored God. He always lifted up the name of the Lord. Now, Job obviously wrestled uh, with this. Um, it's a kind of a theological term, theodicy. Um, it's, it's the area of theology that tries to somehow answer why a loving, all-powerful God would allow people to suffer. Um, and, and obviously, I just gave you C.S. Lewis's response. And we, as, we, as you see in this, God doesn't really give us a clear answer. He gives us some perspective on things, but he doesn't give us a clear answer on all of those things. And I hope, hopefully I'll bring some light into that as we follow through this. But the book of Job could really be summed up in a, a two-word question is this. Why God? Why God would you do this? Why God would you allow this? But we see, we're going to continue in the story of Job. In Job 2, verses 1 through 6, we see again where the sons of God come together. And we see where, um, again, uh, it says this, And Satan also came among them and presented himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, "Where uh, From where have you come? And Satan answered to the Lord, From to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. And then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has, will uh, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh. And he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. And we see where um, Satan again is allowed to, to loathe him with sores uh, from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. And he breaks out in all these boils and sores. Um, we read this, is this, in verses 1 through 6, I, I want to highlight this. Satan his aim is to get us to, to kill, steal, and destroy our joy in God. That's what, that's what his aim is. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy us, but he also wants to kill, steal, and destroy our joy in God. He wants to somehow rob us of the joy that we have in the Lord. He'll do that any way he can. And, and if, if you read again 
in verses 9 and 10, I want to see, I want you to see the response. First, he says this, then his wife, meaning Job's wife, said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. You know, suffering and prosperity are not distributed proportionally according to the evil and good that people do in this world. In other words, there's no prosperity gospel, okay? Um, it doesn't work out like that. Uh, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Uh, good comes to righteous and unrighteous people. Um, tragedy comes to righteous and unrighteous people. So it's one of those things where we see that God allows these things to happen in our lives. He allowed it to happen in Job's life. In fact, we see at the bottom of this chapter, we have three friends of Job that show up. And in chapters really 3 through 37, his, his friends join, up and they join him, and they, they kind of open this debate uh, with Job. And they're kind of asking three God questions. One is, is God just? Uh, does God run the universe uh, on a strict principle of justice? And the third question is, how is Job's suffering uh, to be explained in all of this? So you have Job, um, you have three of his friends, and eventually you have uh, a fourth friend who shows up. And, and Job's argument is this, I'm innocent. Um, suffering, um, and the implication that he, he's really saying from that is this, um, suffering is not um, somehow divine uh, justice, Right? That um, either the conclusion is that either God doesn't run um, this world on justice or somehow he's unjust himself. Um, and then the three friends say that, no, God is just um, and God's world is run according to uh, this justice. And that Job must have somehow sinned against God to cause this. And then we see his fourth friend who shows up uh, later in the um, in the book of Job, where he says the same thing, that God is just, and uh, God does run the world according to this justice. But maybe the reason that Job has experienced suffering, one is that maybe it's a warning to avoid future sins, or God is using it to build character in his life. And so as we see through this book, we see ultimately his friends accuse Job of sinning, and that he deserves his suffering. Um, you know, this is interesting, is this. What we can see is that true theological statements can be false at times. Well, let me explain myself what I mean by that, is this. It can be made false by the way it's applied. And this is what we see in Job's friends, that even it can be destructive in the mouth of fools. In fact, I love this uh, word. It says this, drink deep at the fountains of God's truth and let love stand at the watchman as a watchman at the gate of your mouth. So in other words, this, we can have truth, um, but the way we apply it can be wrong. And this is what we see in Job's friends. We see them have maybe some truth in there, but the way they apply it, it just is not 
truthful the way they apply. In fact, we see uh, Job 29 through 31, we see Job asserts his innocence and he demands uh, God to explain himself, if you will. But in, in Job 38 through 41, we see God takes Job on a little bit of a journey, a virtual tour, if you will, and asked him a few questions. And um, I love the, I love the verse that he says this in, in, in verses, I'm sorry, chapter 38, verse 4. He says this, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Um, and, and, and what happens is we see God kind of take Job on this virtual journey where he, he talks about the earth and the seasons and the weather, and he questions them, you know, did, did you put uh, the seas in its place? Did you hem it in where it could go and where it could go in the depths of the earth and the depths of the sea? And, you know, what I love um, about the scriptures is this. It, it really challenges us. You know, um, I know for, for a fact the oceans, 95% of it, is unsearched or undiscovered, if you will. Only 5% of it is discovered. You know, what's interesting about that is um, typically people's response is, well, that's great. That's grand. That's even more to know about the ocean. So that somehow um, stirs up something then to know more about the ocean, to discover it more. But somehow when we don't know things about God, we want to start how somehow accuse him of things or say that there must not be a God or he must not be loving or it must not be this instead of discovering and trying to find out the depths of who God is through his word. And so this is really, in some ways, this is um, God's response uh, to Job. He, he's saying, listen, Job, you don't have a universal vantage point like I do. Um, you know, I used to use this illustration um, in this point to say that God's ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. I used to describe it like a, um, like maybe a, a three or four year old. And maybe you've got a, somebody who has a, a doctorate um, in a nuclear physics, right? Or something. And, and you try to describe to a three year old or a four year old uh, what an atom is, right? And you describe all the different things, electrons and neutrons and protons and, and all the different things and how it works, and you describe it to them, and uh, maybe you describe it like an apple, and uh, the core of it is a nucleus, and all these things. What's an atom? And and they say, well, there are apples all over our body. Well, you know that's not quite it, right? Well, um, it was interesting uh, during our our forced home uh, quarantine. You know, my kids and I have watched some movies that um, we haven't watched before, and. One of those is a kind of the, a classic Disney movie called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, and I hadn't seen it in years, but I knew it was a good, uh, wholesome movie and it was funny. And what's interesting is I was watching that movie uh, just a week ago. It, it, it really kind of caught my eye and made me begin to think about the book of Job and how God's perspective is above our perspective, right? And his ways are above our ways and, and how these kids were shrunk down and even the little uh, blades of grass seemed gigantic, and and, the, and then the ants were, you know, four or five, ten times their size, and and the bugs and all the different things, and what a couple drops of water seemed like a, a giant uh, tsunami of rain, and and so I, I thought about that story, and I thought about how 
uh, Joe's perspective is like the little kids um, in the jungle of the grass, and God is like the full-size human being, understanding this big grand narrative um, that he is he's laying out uh, for his creation. And so this is what we see um, God trying to get Joe's perspective in the right point. And God's world is is good, but it's not perfect. Um, it's ordered, but it's also wild. It's beautiful, but it's still dangerous. And so um, Job was asking, why all this suffering? And really the only thing that God gives us is this. We live in an amazing world, but it's not designed to prevent suffering. In fact, we see later in the book of Job in chapter 42, we, we see eventually where Job retracts and repents. Um, and then he, he, uh, God honors Job's struggle he, he honors his honesty, and he honors his prayer. In fact, we see eventually um, that Job is fully restored. Um, his family is fully restored. His possessions are doubled um, in all his livestock. We see this. And we also see that um, Job, his faith is one of a constant that Job has throughout his suffering. Yeah, his faith wavers, and it is, it's frustrating at times for him. He, he complains to God. He wishes that he was never born, and he questions God, but he still comes back to trust the creator of, of everything. He, cre- he created him, and he trusts him. See, the faith of Job isn't pretty. It's, it's persevering. Um, the answer to suffering is this idea of faith. Trust that God is good and powerful and loving and merciful and wise. Job had faith in what was not abstract to him. No, it was a personal relationship with God. He cultivated a relationship even before all these calamities and sufferings took place. That's why he could consistently trust God because he had a relationship. See, we as Christians, we we know Christ's sacrifice didn't just atone our sins, but he gave us in right relationship with God. See, Hebrews says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the verse we need to hold on to uh, during this season of uncertainty. So I want to ask you, you know, many of us turn to different things when we struggle. Um, we, we, we turn to things to comfort us, right? Sometimes we, we turn to um, food. Uh, sometimes we turn to relationships. Uh, sometimes we tur- turn to things that may be abusive, um, like drugs and uh, abuse alcohol. Um, many times we, we turn to things, pleasure. We turn to things that somehow would fill, we think will fill our cup, and ultimately they just leave us more and more empty. So I want to ask you a big question this morning. When you suffer, what or whom do you put your trust in? Well, maybe I need to ask it a different way this morning. Even when God doesn't answer your why during suffering, will you still trust him? We still trust him no matter what, knowing that somehow um, the suffering in our life, that God is using it for his glory and for your good. So during this time of uncertainty, would you trust God even when he doesn't answer your why like he did with Job?
I want to pray for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come together as believers virtually. Thank you for the life of Job. Thank you for the example that he was to us. Um, that God, in the midst of suffering, he, he was authentic. He was real with you. Um, he asked tough questions. But God, you put it in perspective to say, hey, Job, <laughs> you're not me. And this world is very complicated. Um, it's full of things that you don't understand. And I'm good, and I'm loving, and I'm a good father. So trust me. So, Father, I just pray for the people that are going through suffering. I know many people have lost their jobs, uh, people without uh, paychecks. Maybe um, they're scared about where their next meal is going to come from. Father, as a church, God, help us if we know about any of those needs, God, that we can love them and take care of them and provide for them, ultimately be um, an extension of your hands and feet. Uh, but, God, also in those things that are unknown where people are anxious, um, and God, they're, they're feeling overwhelmed. God, would you allow them to lean into your grace and your truth? God, that you're good, and you're loving, and you're kind, and you're merciful. And God, that you have a plan and a purpose in all of this, and you have a plan and a purpose for them. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Take care and God bless. I hope you have a tremendous week. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Lady Smith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Thanks for listening and God bless you.